Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. It is day six of the Australian Open. Welcome to TC Live as we entertain you for the next two hours leading up to first ball in Melbourne. Andre Agassi said that in tennis, you're on an island. And while the four-time Aussie champ was being metaphorical, it is quite literal in Melbourne. Australia, an island, a continent, and in tennis, the first of four crown jewels to be conquered. Here's what's coming up on the show. One of the best second-round matches you will ever see. Iga Sviantek and Danielle Collins go the distance how the world number one was able to escape an upset. Plus, all the highlights from an eventful day five down under. More five-set thrillers as some of the top contenders are taken to the brink. We'll show you who survived. And does 10-time AO champ Novak Djokovic have a weakness? You don't want to miss what he tells John Wertheim about his quest for perfection. Guess what? The average height of this show just went way up. John Isner bringing his big serves inside the Tennis Channel studio for some ace analysis. We cannot wait to get going with Iz. Our featured matches today as we begin the third round. Returning women's champ, Arena Sabalenka, first up in Rod Laver Arena, followed by Stefano Tsitsipas and Novak Djokovic headlines the night session. Top-ranked American Coco Goff facing her old friend Alicia Parks, that's second on in MCA, and then Seth Korda and Andre Rublev in the night session. Guess what? We're talking about John Isner. It was less than five months ago that Big John played his last match at the U.S. Open, ending a 17-year pro career that saw him get to eight in the world, win 16 titles, finish in the top 20 for a decade, and rack up the most aces in tennis history, 14,470. And a big welcome to the Tennis Channel family, to John Isner. Great to have you along with us. Yeah. It is well, awesome to be here. I love you guys. Martina, it's fantastic <laughs> to be with you. Of course, we wish you were here. Uh, but for me, this is a this is a big treat. I mean, I, as I said, I love you guys, but I would much rather be in Australia playing. It's not the case. I'm done, but this is a lot of fun, so let's enjoy it. Good consolation prize. Good yes. to hang out with us. And, <laughs> this is uh, very good consolation. This is my first foray into the... You, you know, the Tennis many. Channel studio? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We have a big track record of people coming to work from us and then getting back out on tour. So watch it. Oh. Well, I, I you might be out there by the summer. I can say for certain that's, that's not going to happen. <laughs> your, uh, your, your unretirement is pegged for when were you saying? not. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> you know, if one of my kids becomes a good tennis player, you might see me on there tour we go. then. Okay. There we go. Martin, any advice for John first day inside the Tennis Channel studios? Uh, less is more, but for John, that's not the case because, you know, he's whatever seven foot just about. So <laughs> just be yourself. Don't don't Thank don't you. worry about it too much. Be Thank yourself. You. It's all good. All right. Well, welcome to the fam. We're going five wide here for the next two days this. on TC Live. Of course, we'll talk more with John about John later in the show. But last night was wild down under. That finished 3.39 a.m. for Daniil Medvedev. Third latest in the history of majors. And then some shockers on the women's side. The longest match tiebreak in Grand Slam history. Elena Rabakina is out of there. And more five-set matches on the men's side. Six of 16 going the distance. A lot to talk about today, John. But you woke up this morning in L.A. and, and, and there was still tennis on. 
Yes. <laughs> uh, lucky for you guys, you brought the foremost expert in ridiculous tennis matches <laughs> to the studio on a day where we saw a 22-20 tiebreaker and a match finish at almost 4 a.m. So these are crazy circumstances. As we know, they can happen in the tennis world. I don't think they should happen. I think it's really, really bad for the recovery of the player that wins that late match and the one that loses because you're feeling like absolute crap and your recovery is not as good. When you do lose, you don't sleep as well. So these players you know, probably went to bed around 5, 6 in the morning and they got to try to sleep as much as they possibly can. And Get that day, maybe practice a little bit and try to do it again the next day. Mm. Like your use of the word Looney Tunes. You're living in Dallas now. Remember that time the Cowboys played a playoff game that ended at, at 340? No? You don't remember? <laughs> yeah. remember LeBron James uh, played a basketball game almost when the sun came up? Nope. Didn't, didn't happen. Um, everyone jokes about this. We're all having our, our cracks. I think you're right. It's not fair to the player who wins. I mean, look at this, 339. Yeah. It wasn't even the longest one. And we do this year after year. We were told that the tournament was going to start a day early so the schedule wouldn't be so compressed. Uh, guess what? We got a 339 match. I also think yesterday was a great, great day of tennis. We're going to be talking about these great matches, seeds going to match tie breaks, and upsets all over the grounds. And everybody sort of casually wakes up and everyone's talking about a late match. You know, we talked about this the week before the Australian Open started. The tours came together. Okay, we're not going to put a singles match on past 11 mm, p.m. Yeah. We're going to really try and stop these really late finishes. I mean, it helps nobody. I mean, we obviously look at it from the side of the players. But you have a whole staff system that has to be there. You have ball kids. You, have, I mean, it, it goes across the whole ground. And you've got people in the home country that are not watching. There's no one that is staying up past midnight, right, or kids on their summer break. So this has to stop, and it's also impossible to come back from it. In, in no other sport, I mean, hopefully they'll put Medvedev late at night again, and mm -hmm. I assume they will, but there's also the chance he could play in the day, and yeah. it just seems just crazy what we've got, what has happened. Well, it was 3.39, and John brought this point up earlier. It was a six-love final set, so it, <laughs> right. it could have been well past 4 a.m. Yep. if Medvedev hadn't bageled him in the fifth. That's one big story that we had overnight, Martina, but there were some huge upsets on the women's side as well. Yeah, well, Rybakina lost to Blinkova in the longest tiebreak ever, uh, match tiebreak in, in the majors, 22-20. Both players had six match points in the tiebreak before Blinkova won it. Uh, Blinkova just ran her way into this win. And, you know, Rybakina probably didn't expect it, but it's just too bad that uh, somebody had to lose that match. That's for sure. That was just crazy, crazy, crazy. Imagine if Isner, you know, hadn't changed all the rules. And that one could have really gone on <laughs> yeah. forever, ever. It possibly could have. <laughs> but, I mean, look, they played a, what, like a 35-minute tiebreak. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, you're Medvedev in the locker room thinking you're going to go on soon. But, nope, you had to wait another 35, 40 minutes to take the court. So, that was... um. Very, very interesting tiebreaker. That was really cool to see. Look, that was an awesome match. Yeah. The one that ends at 340 in the morning is pretty tough on everyone, yeah. just as you alluded to, Lindsay. Yeah. The players, the ball kids, the tournament staff, it's tough on everyone. 22-20 is no 70-68, but, you know, it's still, and it still a record nonetheless. And it wasn't even a match tiebreak, which yeah, yeah. sometimes you see. This was at the end of a full set. So, yeah. really, uh, props to both those two ladies. They played great. They really did. But there were some other upsets, Lindsay. Yeah, I was really disappointed for Jess Pagula. She had such high hopes going into this season, really trying to get past the quarters of a major for the first time. A lot of talk in her camp about how they could make that possible. 
She shows up in Australia, though, and gets sick. She was not herself this entire trip, had to withdraw from Adelaide, and was not herself here in Melbourne. Shortly after her loss, straight set loss, pulled out of the doubles. So a uh, really tough start to the season for Jess. Still a lot of belief in her. We still have three more majors this year. Mm -hmm. It's a huge goal of her. So uh, wish her the best, and hopefully it happens for her this season. Certainly uh, opens up the draw for, for a lot of players. we got all the highlights coming up here on TC Live. First segment done, John. Well done. Come on. We're pushing the, we got two hours of TC Live coming up. Do not go anywhere as we will take you weight up to first ball here. As look, Amanda Anasimova getting ready for her match later today. Lindsay has played really well so far. That is a pick 'em, Steve, huh? Bedosa and Anasimova. What do you think? Good match. Oh, well, here's Paula. There's those. There's Bedosa. What's this Wait, where's Coco? She's not in the gym. That's two days <laughs> now, Martina. Stabilization thing going on. But yeah, it should be a very good match for sure. Both players on the comeback. Looking yeah. forward to that one. Later on, we are just getting started on the show. When we come back, we will break down all the oh. biggest stories overnight. And of course, get you ready for today's action. Got an interview with Novak Djokovic as well. It's all happening on TC Live. Don't go anywhere. TC Live at the Australian Open is brought to you in part by Bet365, the world's favorite sports book. By Tennis Express, we deliver tennis right to your front door. Order today, ships today. And by National Car Rental. Go national, go like a pro. Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s-inspired style and cutting-edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high-energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Martina Lindsay, John John, and Steve back with you on TC Live. A reminder, we come your way 5 Eastern every day to get you ready for first ball. Then a couple chances to see Tennis Channel's awesome encore coverage with Brett Haber and Paul Anacone. You don't want to miss that. Well, we've got to start, Martina, with the match between Iga Sviantek and Danielle Collins. This one had it all. It was crazy. Danielle Collins uh, pushing uh, Iga around the court. But Iga, look at this shot from Iga. She's been working on her volley game, and it shows. It was a great shot from uh, from her, but uh, Danielle still won the first set. And uh, was up. I mean, I'm sorry, she uh, won the first set, and Collins is up in the second. Her forehand was great. Her backhand down the line was money all match long. Collins up 4-1 in the third. She gets the break here to go up two breaks. We think the match is over. But no. At 4-2, um, she loses a serve. And at 4-2, she had left 40. Again on, on Shiontek's serve. But Shiontek comes back. It's some winners to get out of trouble. It's a good serve here at 40-30 uh, at to get it even. Somehow survives that game. And ends up winning... You know, breaks breaks right back here for all even 
and then she holds and uh, ends up winning five games in a row. Again, um, Danielle dictated quite a bit, but Triontek covering the court so well. And uh, yeah, just uh, too much topspin, too much, too many legs, and Danielle would be disappointed with this one as she had. What she did had it take today for you to turn this match around? Oh my god. I don't even know. <laughs> Honestly, like, yeah, I was on the airport already. <laughs> no, but I wanted to fight till the end. <laughs> I knew that, you know, she played just perfectly, but it would be hard for anybody to keep that level. So I wanted to be ready when uh, more mistakes are going to come from the other side. And I just wanted to push Dan. And I did that at the end. And I'm really proud of myself because, yeah, it wasn't easy. <laughs> Lots to break down in this one, LD. Uh, let's start with Iga Sviantek yeah. tweeted after, it's not over till it's over. How was she able to escape? I think that's going to be a big win for her, just in the overall belief system for her. She hadn't had a big comeback at a major, and she was down and out. A couple of questions physically, though. It did look like the knee was bothering her. The, the movement wasn't perfect. But her reaction after really spoke volume. She sat in her chair, put the towel over her head, and was sobbing on court. She knows this was a big win. I think her team knows also. There's been matches in the past where she's been overpowered, the racket's been taken out of her hand, and she hasn't found a way to fight through it. This was different. She really hung in there emotionally. She turned a player who was playing the best tennis that we've seen in quite some time from Danielle and was able to flip the script. And I think this is going to give her an awful lot of confidence moving forward if she's physically healthy. I noticed that, too. She wins that match. She puts a towel. I mean, usually we see that if it's a semifinal or a final. I just need to take stock of what just happened. To do that after a second-round match, that tells you something about the fight and the places where she had to go. I think we ought to acknowledge Danielle Collins. We were talking about how she beat Iga here a few years ago, got to the finals, and announced after the match. Again, a really well-played, well-fought match. She'll probably have some regrets about the last half hour, but she was right there with... The number one player, and then Danielle Collins sort of dropped this note. Oh, yeah, by the way, this is my last year on tour. This is not someone deep into their 30s, a real veteran. Uh, but Danielle Collins is a player we've all grown to admire. You you know her, John. Was that surprising to you? It was a little bit surprising. I mean, I have a lot of respect for her game. She came through the college ranks just like I did. And I think she's 30. And she dropped that news. And look, she's almost beat the number one player in the world. She's obviously playing fantastic tennis, but we know that she can play like that. She, you know, puts the fear of God into every every player she goes up against. And, you know, so to make that announcement, she must be at peace with it. And, you know, I personally, I think should be very proud of her to, 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 make, that, to make that announcement. So we'll see what comes of it. She's going to finish out this year, but I believe she said that, you know, she, there's other things she wants to, um, you know, do in her life, and one of, one of which is start a family, and yeah. I think you should uh, commend her for that. It's, it's very awesome. Yeah, it's incredible. She got to seven in the world, obviously a final at the Australian Open, two titles. Martina, what was your reaction when you heard Daniel Collins say this I is going to be it? Yeah, I'm surprised, you know, uh, but if she feels it, it's okay. Uh, each To each his own. Uh, I think she'll be disappointed at, at w losing the match the way she lost it. Not that she lost, but the way she lost it uh, when she knows this is her last time there. She At 4-1 in the third set, she was hitting her forehand about 75 miles an hour. After that, it was 55 miles an hour. So she took the foot off the pedal, played careful, and she'll be disappointed with that more than anything. But, you know, she might change her mind. <laughs> we'll see. Yeah, she could always change her mind. By the way, she's, she is 30, so she could yeah. come back. She could get kids and
can come back. We've seen that. Look, Caroline Wozniacki has done it. She she could do that for sure. We'll see what happens. But that she was painstakingly close to win that match. I mean, she's up 4-2, love 40. Those are essentially mini-match points. you got to think if she wins one of those three points, she can close the match out from 5-2 up. Once she lost that 4-2 game, you kind of had a feeling this could get a little bit queasy for her, and that's yeah. exactly what happened. We love that passion that we see yeah. from the Danimal on the court. So I hope to see her a lot more throughout this year before she eventually retires and hangs them up. Uh, more action from yesterday. Elena Rabakina, she's defeated the last 12 players ranked outside the top 50. Lindsay going for a Baker's Dozen against Anna Blinkova. Yeah, we started the match tiebreak, excuse me, at 6-all in the third. Blinkova had already had two match points at 6-5 in the third. And, I, I mean, we saw some amazing tennis yesterday. I'm not sure anything will ever top this tiebreak. As John said, 35 minutes, 16 match Crazy. points in total. <laughs> We're in this. You kept thinking, okay, it's going to end here. It's going to end here. It did not. These two ladies were sensational at the big moments. And we're talking about some great saves, some great shot making at the most crucial of times. And it was Anna Blinkova's night and how she was able to fight through, uh, by the way, saving six match points, but also the level of tennis she showed in some of the biggest moments. Rabakina, you never get a lot from her emotionally. You have to feel like this one's going to sting. She was a favorite to win this title. This was played late at night. Heavier conditions, that really hurt her. Blinkova again. Look at the score. Match point, Rabakina able to come up with one of the best defensive points we've seen so far in this tournament. You didn't know when this was going to end. The great tennis just continued, Steve. But eventually, it was Blinkova who was able to get through this match. Yeah, you can see past 30 minutes in this match tiebreak between the two of them. That ball goes wide, and Anna Blinkova, can you believe it? Said, I will never forget it. Best day of my life so far. Wrote on the camera after, never give up. Hadn't won a match this year before Melbourne, and here she takes out last year's finalist and a Wimbledon champion. Rybakina is out. Biggest upset of the tournament. All right. Time for Isner's first highlight. <laughs> you never right. forget your first, John. We've we got a good one for you. Carlos Alcaraz, Lorenzo Sonigo. Yeah, uh, honestly, this is a pretty tough test, I thought, for Carlos. I mean, because Sonego, he, he's a bit of a swashbuckler out there. He can play some incredible tennis, and he plays with a lot of passion. So, you know, I'm not su necessarily surprised at this scoreline, the fact that it went to, you know, went to four sets. I think this is ultimately a good thing for Carlos. Uh, going forward in the tournament, you, you like to think he's going to get, um, you know, stronger as, as this tournament progresses. But look, this dude from Spain hits shots right here. My goodness. That <laughs> I can only dream of hitting. I mean, he is the human highlight reel. He is worth every bit the price of admission. And, you know, he, we see here in the four-set tiebreaker, this is a big point, on return, he hits his, laces his backhand to give him the mini break. And, you know, he takes it home from there. So... Uh, I think a very good match from him. I don't maybe he might say wasn't his best match, but look, you don't want to necessarily play your best in the second round. Um, it's great for him. It's great for the tournament that he's still alive, and you know he's got a uh, plays an unseeded player next. Um, potentially could play Tommy Paul. We know uh, they've had some great battles in the past, but they both have to win. We'll see what happens. All right, Daniil Medvedev had won both of his previous matches against Emil Rusevori Wertheim. The Finn said of Medvedev before the match, he just tries to make you miserable in your service games. Yeah, miserable. This is the late-night special. Keep an eye on the clock. And Rusevori is a very nice player. We've seen Rune. We've seen Rude. We've seen another RU from Scandinavia here with the Finnish player Rusevori. And for two sets, it looked like we were going to have a significant upset against the two-time finalists. And then Medvedev turned it around. 
Late here in the fourth set, that's a nice little drop shot here. Watch what he does with this. But late in the fourth set, Rusevori was two points from winning this match. I mean, Medvedev had to serve to stay in the match. He's a new dad, so he uh, understands staying up late. Not particularly pleased there, but he hung in there to his credit. 51 winners. He just sort of prolonged points, made this a match, and by the time this went to a fifth set, it was good night. Irene, which is like the one fan left in uh, the stands. Irene. Um, 3.40, 3.39, whatever we're calling it, ball game, Medvedev. Caught up with Nick Monroe after this thriller. Uh, what is it, like 3.40 in the morning? It's late. I, I, honestly, guys, I would not be here. <laughs> Thanks for staying. If I would, uh, would, would be a tennis fan and I would come, I would be at one, I would be like, okay, let's go home. We're going to catch the end of the match on the TV. We're gonna watch 30 minutes and go to bed. So I guess uh, thanks, guys. So you are strong, strong. I mean, this match, the, the beauty of best of five tennis, uh, able to come back once again from love two down. It may be four in the morning, Martina, but but Medvedev found a way. How do you do it? Well, he just hung in there, you know. You can't think, oh, I got to win three sets in a row. You just got to think, okay, what do I need to do to win this set and then hopefully get it done and then think the same thing on the fourth set. So you just need to stay within yourself. And he does that very well. He may get a little rattled sometimes, but he always brings it back to the match at hand, uh, you know, the next point. You don't ever feel like he loses points because he's upset about something. So he just hangs in there. And uh, at the end of the day, I mean, you, you saw Rusevori was out of legs at the end of the fourth set, but still, yeah, well done, Daniel. And uh, yeah, this this finishing that late, that's really rough. It's like built-in jet lag. Normally you go to sleep about midnight. <laughs> if he got to sleep by eight, he'll be lucky and probably wake up at noon. Yeah, maybe he'll get four hours of sleep. It's rough. They've got to do something. This is just not good for tennis. It's not good for anybody. Yeah, I was, I mean, I was able to watch it, the finish here in California, but I was going to ask John. <laughs> exactly. Does he have any chance to recover? Oh, he absolutely does. Like, he How? is, this guy is the one person, in my opinion, <coughs> that this, I don't think this is going to affect him. Any other player, it probably really? would. Yeah, I mean, look, I've, I played Toronto a couple years ago, and I, I lost in the semifinals. And the tournament is nice enough to charter a plane for the players that kind of make it deep to that tournament to get onto Cincinnati because you don't have to deal with customs. It's a lot easier. And I had to wait for his final against Opelka uh, to finish. So we get to the, the match finishes, and I'm thinking, okay, we're going to take off in two or three hours. Nope, he was ready to go in 45 minutes on the plane. <laughs> and we flew to Cincinnati. He was in his Lacoste gear in his bag drinking a Coke, and he was ready to go, ready to play Cincinnati. I'm sure he played well in Cincinnati that year. So really, I really do believe that he can recover just fine from this, and he's one of the very few that can. Wow, a Coke. Great recovery like there. It. Love exactly. it. Well, you, you said that he, he doesn't roll deep. He doesn't have a uh, huge training staff. It will yeah. be interesting to see how much juice his agent has. If he has to play a noon start uh, in two days, well, uh, what answer? I expect he'll play a night match his next time out. Late afternoon. If I'm him, I'm requesting a late afternoon match. Mm, so if you do win, you yeah. can get um, at least to get bed back. at a decent yeah. hour. Mm. All right. Also, he gets Felix Ojeda's team next. He's never lost to him, 6-0. Yep. and oh, So okay. has confidence going into that match with 3.40 in the morning. That's, uh, that's early stuff. Great insight, by the way, isn't there, uh, Medvedev? This is the one guy it will not affect. Still to come, mums the word. We begin the tournament with eight mamas in the draw. Who remains? We will check in on our mum track when TC Live rolls on. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome back to TC Live at the Australian Open. Another beautiful day in Melbourne starting third round action. We will lead you right up to first ball here on the show. All right, Martina, with Gal Monfils out, Alina Svitolina playing for all of Gem's life. She's won her last 12 matches against players outside the top 60, looking good. Yeah, tough in those shadows, but Svitolina said she's been working on going for the forehand, and she hit that down the line so well in this match. Keeps going for it. She was at the net 13 times, won 10 points there, which is not normal for her. Six out of seven break points, but most of all, just moving uh, Domova around the court really well, using the slice and that, like I said, that forehand down the line. She keeps going for it. She used to back away when things got tight, but she's believing in that shot and it's paying off nicely. Straightforward 6-1-6-3 win here. Finishes with a forehand. What a surprise. Well done. <laughs> Last year's comeback player of the year, 25 winners. First time ever, four Ukrainian women have reached the third round of a slam. All right, staying with the moms, Lindsay, two-time Aussie Open champ Victoria Azarenka facing Clara Towson. Vika has never lost in the second round here. No, and Steve made it all the way to the semifinals last year. Sometimes we forget that with Azarenka. She is still a threat on the hard courts and started off beautifully against Towson. Lost her focus a bit in the second set, and Towson able to dictate play a bit more. Serve has been an issue for Azarenka with some double faults. Came up in that second set, and Tossin got a sense that maybe this would be a breakthrough win for her. But credit Vika for early in the third set, just finding her game again. She really buckled down, started to get more consistent, and also really start to master the baseline. Withstood 11 aces and nearly 40 winners from the other side. And yet Azarenka is able to move on yet again into the third round. This is her best major ever. Of course, she's won it a couple of times. Martina, we're updating the mump tracker. What do you see? Well, there were two, but we still have two uh, left in the draw. So here's to the moms. You know, they did pretty well overall. <laughs> Svitolina Azarenka still pushing on and both have really good opportunities moving forward. On the men's side, Alexander Zverev came in with a 16-match win streak against qualifiers worth time. But uh, Lucas Klein, world number 163, gave him everything he had. Yeah, let's talk about the guy who won more games and just as many points, uh, Lucas Klein. This guy is unbelievable. Listen to this, John. 80 winners. This is a guy who had to qualify. He was playing his 12th set when the match started. Um, went up two sets to love and then credit Zverev for some real fight here. Good effort there. Didn't quite 
make that shot. Uh, 25-year-old Slovak had a terrific match against the sixth seed. Just a couple points here and there, so nice touch. Again, he was two points from winning this match. Would have been far and away the biggest win of his career. Again, credit Zverev, the compartmentalizer. He is able to summon his best stuff when he needed. This went to a match tiebreak after a four-set tiebreak as well, and Zverev, credit him for hanging in there. John, you said he likes the night matches. Does Zverev, the backhand was rocking and lucky to get through this one, but he does. Long time on court and win 7-6 in the fifth. 400th career match that he has won at the tour level. That's a milestone. Well, we got a flashback to a couple days ago. Jack Draper beats Marcos Giron, Isner, but, but take a look at this. It was in five sets. And then, and then he just rushes to the net. Says, "Come on, buddy! I, I got I got things <laughs> to do here. <laughs> but, There's a trash can right here that I need to attend to. Don't so slow walk me. Bucket cam. I've seen someone. I have not. And Marcos is probably thinking, "What the heck is going on?" But that was a pretty good effort to win Fore, that point. Foreshadowing the, the old victory vomit, right? Yeah. Uh, so Tommy Paul, we know he saw that, and you also know he wanted some revenge because he lost to Draper a week ago in Adelaide. Yeah, he did. Uh, that was, you know. Draper won that match pretty comprehensively, yep. if, if I if I remember. But look, that's why that's why you play the game. Like it's why uh, every single match you play, it's going to be different. You know, you know, Tommy is going to bring his best stuff, especially at the Grand Slam. He's trying to peak for this event. Maybe he wasn't necessarily trying to peak for Adelaide, but uh, you know, Draper played well that event. We know he made the final, but Tommy's a, a tough out. We know how. You know, he's in incredible shape. He made the semifinals here last year, so he likes these courts, he likes these conditions, and I'm sure he wanted to uh, exact some revenge on Draper, and that's exactly what he did. And, uh, he's, in a, he's in a good spot right now, uh, as I said earlier, to potentially face Alcaraz in the round of 16. Yeah. Revenge best served with Vegemite and Tim Tams, apparently, <laughs> down under. Uh, of all the young Americans that we have right now, where does Tommy rank to you in terms of being able to win that Grand Slam? You have to put them at, at the very top. Mm. I mean, there's there's a bunch. I mean, the past years, you maybe just talk about one or two players. But I think my, you know, Tommy, Taylor, I really like Sebi Corder's game. Mm. Uh, ben Shelton, of course, we know what he can bring to the table. I think those four guys uh, have a good shot to win a slam in the next four or five years. They have a good shot to, to do some damage here in Australia, for sure. Yeah, John brought up mm-hmm. the fact that, listen, he's had success, a couple of wins against Carlos Alcaraz. Yeah, and I, I just think, go, going back to Tommy, what did we used to say about him? A lot of talent, can he put it all together? Maybe there's some questions about his professionalism. What did we say here the other day? Well, against Draper, he could make it physical. He's so professional. He's so well-conditioned. That's what happened in a best-of-five format. Again, a couple years ago, we would have said, this guy, is he ever going to put it together? Now we say, well, he can use his togetherness to, uh, to, to avenge a defeat a week ago. Yeah, I think also we talk about he came in with a lot of pressure. Not sure. We, we don't know which guys are looking at ranking points and looking at what points they have to defend, but an awful lot on Tommy's shoulders coming into this event. He didn't play great in Adelaide either, so didn't come in with a tremendous amount of confidence. But see how he's maneuvered these first few rounds has been impressive. He knew exactly what he needed to do against Draper, right? Spread the court, keep the points long, be consistent, and Draper couldn't hang with him. So we'll see as Tommy Paul moves forward in this draw. He's going to have to have most likely a huge win if he's going to get back to the semifinals. Um, But he just seems super calm. Just went about a match yesterday. Nothing phased him. Lindsay, he's not worried about ranking points. No. I can tell you that much. Yeah. yeah. If he crashes out early, life is still good for Tommy Ball. He's going to go back home to Florida. He's going to go fishing, and he's going to get ready to play the tournament in Dallas. So uh, he's truly – not, not worried about it. Um, he's cool cucumber out there, and um, you know he's playing like it, and that's why he's been doing so well lately. He doesn't, yeah. he lets things roll off his back 
pretty well, in my opinion, and he's in incredible shape. That's one thing he has uh, in, yep. in his corner. He works very hard at it, and he's in better shape than most of the players he plays against. Love to hear that. Miamir Ketsmanovic is up next for Tommy Paul, and then potentially that matchup with Carlos Alcaraz looming as well. But he's a cool cucumber. That's, <laughs> that's what his <laughs> said. If you're a cool it. cucumber, <laughs> he got – Day one, he got fishing yeah. in the Dallas Open. Into there you go. go. There go. Exactly. <laughs> he's entered in the tournament. Fast so Pro Shops, Dallas now. Open. We're checking off all the sponsors. More TC Live on the way. Jim Courier going to join the program as well. Keep it locked and loaded. Welcome back to TC Live as we lead you up to first ball on day six of the Australian Open. Back in our studios, I'm Steve Weissman. We've been talking about upsets all week on the women's side. Now we have some history. For the first time in the Open era, only three of the top eight seeds have made the third round in Melbourne. For more knowledge like that, make Tennis.com your online information source throughout the Australian Open and the entire 2024 season. Leah Davidoff has your three to see every day, and Zachary Cohen has your pick of the day in Betting Central. Download the Tennis app or visit the website. Now time for your daily forecast with Fox Weather. Good day, tennis fans. I'm Fox Weather meteorologist Amy Freeze, and here's today's Australian Open forecast. Mostly cloudy, isolated chance of a shower, 83, so pretty mild for our tennis pros. Remember, you can download the Fox Weather app or stream Fox Weather from your favorite connected TV device. Thanks, Amy. Still to come, we will tell you what's next for former Australian Open finalist Jenny Brady. More highlights, including Americans Emma Navarro and Alex Mickelson. And our Bet365 match preview focuses on Andre Rublev. But first, will John Wertham be able to get Novak Djokovic to reveal his weaknesses? It is a must-see conversation with the world number one on his mental mindset. Back on TC Live, Novak Djokovic just won his 30th straight match in Melbourne, and he drew a little extra motivation from a person in the crowd that was heckling him. To be the best in the world, you have to have a special mindset. And as John Wertheim found out in his 60-minute sit-down with the 24-time major champ, Djokovic is built different. So you're thinking all this through. I mean, this is sort of risk analysis in, in real well, time. This, this is something that is, it's like a homework for every player. I mean, you have to know your strengths and also your weaknesses. And you have to be ready that every opponent will try to exploit your weaknesses. Uh, so I always thought of that. And I was thought from a very young age to have no weaknesses, to work to have no weaknesses. That was your ambition. Yeah, and, it was, and I still continue striving to improve every single shot in my game so that the player across the net feels like uh, he, he cannot penetrate anything. He cannot, he cannot, you know, get the ball past me. So I think it's very important to work on a, uh, as complete of a game as possible for every surface because tennis is a very demanding sport. It has the longest season of all sports. So if you want to be the number one in the world uh, in a season, you have to be playing consistently well and on surfaces. You know this as well as I do. You know what people say about you. He has no weaknesses. Um, I, think you, I think you achieved that goal pretty well. Great. Um, I do have, but I don't want to talk about them. You don't want to tell us your, <laughs> you don't to tell us your weaknesses? Yeah. Thanks again to CBS and 60 Minutes for sharing these excerpts from John's story. We will have more to come as the tournament 
continues. And stream it on Paramount Plus as well. 60 Minutes Sundays on CBS. We'll take a look at this. 12-3 in major finals since turning 30. That's incredible. The win percentage over 85%. Oldest year and number one. And by the way, he is still number one. And it keeps on going. Martina, as the GOAT, when you hear Novak talk, talk about these things, was that your mindset as well? Have no weaknesses? Oh, you know, I, I don't remember. I mean, you try to not have anything that players can pick on, but there is usually an opening, and mine was back end. My back end was not as good as my forehand, so people came in on my back end. I had a hard time getting it past them. With Novak, I think the only weakness he has maybe is, you know, too much chocolate. I don't know. It's certainly that weakness is not on the tennis court. He is the consummate professional, and I think he had the mindset, and then he had the great coach, Yelena, uh, and, and then other coaches that came after her. So he had all the bases covered from a very early age, and he's still trying to get better, and that's a scary thought. But uh, to win that much after 30, that's just impressive. I don't care what happened before 30. Uh, you are you are, you are are just built from another DNA because um, things get harder. You slow down, and Novak hasn't slowed down yet. Isner, uh, listen, he, he said himself he does have some weaknesses. You got him twice on tour, beat him a couple times. What weaknesses did you find in his game? There aren't many. I also lost to him 11 times, but thank you for talking about the, the two wins, keep, Steve. We keep it positive on that. I appreciate that, and I am not the person to talk about weaknesses or lack thereof because I had a lot of them. So, um, But, no, he's, he's got the complete game, and we know since he started working with Goran, I don't know what it was, four or five years ago, three, four years ago, his serve has improved a lot. Mm. So he's gotten a lot more free points than he did before he was 30. And his court coverage hasn't slowed down now that he's almost 37 years old. He has the best forehand in the world probably, definitely has the best backhand in the world. He's got the best return. He can do it all. He's improved his neck game. So he always is trying to improve, even though he's finished number one in the world so many times. And that's very, very commendable. He knows exactly what he needs to do to, to, to make himself play at, at his highest mm. level. Early on in, in his career, he had some fish, uh, excuse me, fitness issues. He nipped those in the bud, and yeah. he's obviously one of the fittest guys out there. And, and keeps trying to get better and better. That champion's mindset, Lindsay, you can relate to that. What, what, <laughs> absolutely. What, what goes into that, and, and what did you make of his comments? You know, there's a couple of things that he possesses that I'm not sure we've ever seen. One also is the work ethic. You know, how do you keep putting in those hours year after year after year and not get burned out. Where does he find the motivation now? I mean, the, the, the push to try and become the player with the most Grand Slam titles ever was obviously a huge motivating factor for him for so long. Well, he's got that. It's like in the rearview mirror now. But he's still finding ways to motivate himself. It's not easy to go out and practice four to five hours a day, also spend so much time on your body to have it to recover, to be able to do that again. He's got two kids now. And it's all of that you take into effect. He's 36. He's still as motivated as ever. That part I don't get, mm. you know, because most mm. players will get to that age when they've accomplished everything. I just don't have it in me anymore. I just don't want to get up and practice four hours and, and do whatever it takes. You don't see any sign of that from him. No, he is truly a one of one. John, take us behind the scenes of this interview. I mean, what what are we not seeing that you were able to witness with Novak Djokovic? Oh, man. Um, no, I mean, what if it was just, it was so normal. It was just a casual conversation. Um, you know, 60 Minutes is a, is a great show, but the segments you, you may have noticed are, uh, you know, we had to take basically the best 13 minutes, and there was so much other stuff, so I'm happy we're able to use some of the material here. I mean, one thing that struck me was, first of all, how 
just sort of care carefree he was. I mean, there was no minder there. There were no time pressures. It was very normal. But also, what you said, every single thing this guy does is in service of excellence. What he puts in his body, when he practices. You talked earlier about a, a player we won't name who drank a Coke on a plane. Novak Djokovic would not drink a Coke <laughs> on a plane. And he's 36, almost 37 years old. You think, you know, you, you win the goat race, life's pretty good. You can uh, cr crack open a cold one. No, what does he do? He pivots and now I'm going after Alcaraz and Sitter and I'm going to take on the next generation. Um, I just, I, I don't sure we've ever seen an athlete like this. Martina mentioned Yelena Gencic, who was his first coach, also Monica Sellis' coach. We went by her. She has like, it's, it's like a historic marker. I mean, she's like a, in, the, the late coach is sort of a, a celebrity memoriam in Serbia. And I think one thing she ingrained in him and in Monica as well was this whole idea of just, if you're going to commit yourself to tennis, you're going to commit. You're not here to get a sports car. You're not here to win once. Mm. This is devotion. You know, when you retire, you can go have your Coke and, uh, and, and have a good time. But for now, you're committed to tennis. And that's still what he is, almost 37 years old. It's incredible. Uh, John, he's got Thomas Martin Echeverry. Coming up next, a guy that idolizes him, like, like many of the players on tour. Does he have any weapons that can threaten Novak Djokovic? Well, he's beaten two elder statesmen yeah. in the first and second round, <laughs> and now he's playing another one. He's now like, he's played 36-year-old Murray, 37-year-old Monfils, now almost 37-year-old Djokovic. So he found himself in the uh, older section yeah. of golf for sure. He does have some weapons. He's playing very well. I mean, he's 25 years old, I believe, and playing obviously the best tennis of his career. So bit of a late bloomer. He hadn't heard his name until the last couple of years, and he's not just a clay quarter. He's playing very well on hard court. He might be able to disrupt Djokovic's games, but of course, I mean, you got to think Novak's right. going to win that. Apparently, Novak's been feeling a little bit ill, a little yep. bit under the weather, might have had a cold. If that's in the rear view for him, it should only bode well. So, mm -hmm. uh, looking forward to this match. I do think it's going to be a pretty tough test from Novak, but I also expect him to play his best match so far. It hasn't been an easy tournament thus far, Lindsay. I mean, he's no. lost mm -hmm. a set in both of his first two matches. Yeah, he's really had to expend a lot of energy in these first two rounds. And there's also the question about his forearm. It's his wrist that's mm -hmm. been bugging him. That kind of caught into, uh, into action in the second round. But again, it, he seems to have these issues at majors a lot. We've seen him be injured and, and still come out the winner. So we never know how much emphasis to put on it. But certainly in the second round match, he was sick. He was stretching out his wrist all the time. He just, he just always seems to recover. It's crazy. And, Martina, when you talk about Novak Djokovic, he draws motivation from, from little to anything, right? Like, yeah. he always keeps that chip on his shoulder, even though he's, he's the greatest. Yeah, he kind of reminds me of uh, of John creating a you know a drama to get himself going, and and sometimes Novak does that with fans. He just picks on one and gets him fired up, and you know whatever works. Uh, and sometimes when the crowd gets negative on you, he goes negative, and but it works for him. At the end of the day, he wins most of those matches, even though he looks like he's losing it emotionally. He. But you know, he, he never loses a point because of that. He, uh, he and, and 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 I think it just gives him extra energy. Whatever works, yeah. Martina referencing John McEnroe. We've got two Johns on set. Yeah. A, lot, a lot of Johns. Oh, sorry, I, yeah. <laughs> I knew you were not referencing me. <laughs> 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 it's like all Wortham yeah, for, for every 60-minute segment. definitely not The drama. Uh, old hothead John Isner here. I mean, John has yeah. voice notes, you know, drama everywhere. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Loves those voice notes. <laughs> More to come here on TC Lab. When we come back, uh, Isner goes back to being interviewed again. We'll find out what he's been up to since retirement, what's next in the career more TC live after a quick break.
Welcome back to TC Live at the Australian Open. Let's take a look at our featured matches on day six down under. We got the returning women's champion, Arena Sabalenka. Up first inside Rod Laver Arena, Coco Golf taking on Alicia Park, Stefano Sitsipas in action. Novak Djokovic, the night session in Laver. And how about a good one between Sebi Korda? Looking to back up the quarters last year, taking on Andre Rublev, who also has made the quarterfinals here in Melbourne. Let's take you back to John Isner and one of his 16 big titles on tour. Sort of like a war of attrition out there. It's just very hot and humid. And John Isner has got himself a fourth Newport title. Ends up prone on his stomach. I've seen more graceful match points than that one before. <laughs> What's it like, first title with your daughter there? Wow, that was a very special moment. Can't replace that with anything. That's going to be a memory I, I won't soon forget. Well, the family has increased since then. It definitely <laughs> has. We've added uh, three more since then. Which, which of these numbers means the most to you? I mean, look, I'm going to be honest. I really like the ace, ace thing. <laughs> okay. I, I don't think anyone is, is going to beat that ever. Uh, but for me, I, I think I'm most proud of the, the consistency that I showed. I mean, 10 straight years finishing the top 20 in the world. Mm -hmm. Very proud of that. I mean, I finished from either 9 to 20 in the world 10 consecutive years. So something I, I always took a lot of pride in, in in keeping myself healthy, which is not easy to do, being so big, almost 7 feet tall, 230-something pounds. Yep. It takes a lot to keep my engine going and keep me healthy just to be able to stay on the court. So that's what I did very, very well uh, throughout my career. My body last year in 2023 finally just said no moss. <laughs> and, you know, but now time to move on to, to better things. Yeah, and eight of those 10 years that you, you finished in the top 20, you were the number one ranked American as well. So uh, huge for the USA. I guess since the retirement, what's been the, the best thing you've been able to do with your time off tour? Well, the best thing I've been able to do is spend time with my kids, first and foremost. So I spend a lot of time with them. I take my daughter to her ballet class. I take my son to his martial arts and baseball practice. So, look, it's it's a lot of fun. We They, they keep uh, myself and Maddie extremely busy at home, and I'm so thankful for that. I think without them, I might be a little bit of, of a tougher adjustment for me. Because, look, when you play 17 years professional tennis, and, you know, four years of high-level college tennis before that. I mean, like, every day, essentially, I was waking up, asking myself, how am I going to get better? How am I going to keep myself to stay healthy? And I don't have that anymore. So it has been a, a tough adjustment, for sure. As any athlete would tell you, Lindsay, you might have gone through it as well. Um, it's not easy when you go, 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 and all of a sudden you just kind of quit cold turkey. It, it's a big adjustment. So it's definitely something I'm going through right now, trying to navigate those waters. And But, look, I've had a good time with it so far. Yeah, I agree with you. The four kids definitely uh, keeps you busy and your mind off uh, worried about the tennis. I'm curious if I know you're here with us uh, for these few days. Does your mind ever segue into coaching, whether it be on the professional ranks or the collegiate ranks? You obviously have a great mind for it. Have you ever thought about what that would be like? I haven't put too much thought, thought into coaching. I always said, no, that's not something I'm interested in. But I also think that's a little bit hard-headed. I mean, look, I would be open to, to that idea, whether it's professionally or college. I mean, likely would lean no. I, I, I don't know. Look, but it's, it's not necessarily the most 
uh, glamorous life. I would think I would spend a lot of time traveling the world playing. I don't know if I would enjoy it as much coaching. We'll see. Maybe I would. Uh, college tennis is something near and dear to me for sure. Playing four years of it, I love college tennis. I love the camaraderie of it. Uh, I live in Dallas, Texas now, so I try to um, help out the SMU men's tennis team and uh, Coach Grant Chin there as much as I possibly can. It's in my backyard. Uh, those are the guys I've been practicing with the last six, seven years. So um, coaching, for sure, I could see in my future with my kids. Yeah. I hope I get to coach <laughs> uh, them playing tennis a lot or whether it's baseball, basketball, whatever the sport may be, I do see myself coaching a lot that's there. That's great. Sure. Okay, uh, that's good stuff. Martina, what would you like to know? Yeah, I, you know, I, I I miss the luxury of having to take care of my body at the same time. We don't have to worry about it. Mm-hmm. I don't miss the stress. What Anything surprised you about now being retired for four months? Uh, anything surprised you? How you feel? What you're going through? What you're thinking about? Etc. That's a great question, Martin. I actually feel worse <laughs> than I did when I was playing. Because look, as I said, I would get really? up and I would... I would take care of myself extremely well. Look, I'm still working out. I mean, I like to work out. I have to think for my sanity alone. Uh, I love to exercise, but maybe I'm not as maniacal about it as I used to be when I was playing because I had to make sure I, I was healthy all the time. I'm not necessarily doing that now. I am working out. It's not as focused, I would say, as, as it used to be. So my body, I think, is a bit you know, feeling the effects of all those years on tour. And look, I'm a big guy. It takes its toll on you when you play on hard courts for as much as I did. What have you missed that perhaps you didn't expect to miss? Well, I I didn't expect. I mean, I knew I would miss the competition. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, the answer to that question is, is the travel. I mean, people talk about, you know, we travel all over the world. But towards the end of my career, uh, I really enjoyed that aspect. I mean, I, I tried to relish it as much as I possibly could. And, you know, we, as a professional tennis player, you're so lucky to get to travel the world, to go all to these amazing places year after year after year. So um, I tried to really um, enjoy those moments as, as best I can. Those, early on in my career, I used to sort of dread the travel. Towards the end, I liked it a lot, and I, I do miss it for sure. That's yeah. <laughs> We're lucky to have you here. Yeah. So It's great to be well, here. Welcome Travel to here. the Tennis Channel family. Uh, and as we head to break, we're going to take a look at the whole family. Tell us oh, who's who goodness. here. Okay, that's my little girl, the redhead. That's Hunter Grace. Oh. And above her is Hobbs. And the one in his arms is Mac. He's the now current two-year-old. And the other little redhead we have is Chapel, who is about eight or nine uh, months right now. So Where's the redhead come from? I don't Ginger. know. Yeah, yeah I, think, I think Maddie's grandmother ha- had it or something. So, But look, we're very blessed and love those kids to death. That's for sure. It's a dominant trait. If, if it's in there, it's coming out. Yeah. Uh, beautiful family there, John. When we come back, we told you about him yesterday, and it seems like we're going to be talking about Alex Mickelson a lot more going forward. The American teenager taking center stage, along with Sloan Stevens when we come back. Welcome back. Time to focus on some of the Americans in action. Isner, you're familiar with the game of Alex Mickelson. Played him in Newport last summer. Teenager, he's having a moment right now. Taking on Yuri Lehechka. Yeah, he certainly is. He's uh, a player that we all need to be looking out for. He's a dogged competitor, much like Taylor Fritz. Very unflappable. No matter what the scoreboard says, he's going to fight to the end. And he's got a very, very repeatable backhand as well, one that seems that I don't see it ever breaking down under pressure. Uh, 
look, there it is right there. So he, he, he plays tough, he plays with a lot of energy, never shows much negative emotion out there, and it's been serving him well. And that's a huge win over Lehechka, who won Adelaide and won his first match easily. So he's on a six-match winning streak, obviously full of confidence. And Alex took care of him in four sets. I find that very, very impressive. How bummed is Manny Diaz right now? Yeah. <laughs> Look, he was, uh, he was committed to, to Georgia. I think a lot of people know that. And I think he made the right choice. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I would have liked to see him go to Georgia, but I think he made the right choice. So it's going to be an interesting matchup versus uh, – yeah. you, think, you think that's winnable? <sighs> Look, I, I'm, I like Alex. I'm pulling for him. I don't see him winning that match. I mean, Sasha – maybe should have lost his previous match. So, And we know that he has a very good good record in five sets. So I think getting through that close match is going to bode very well for Sasha. So it might take some of the pressure off. Now, if Mickelson was playing Klein, I would really, yeah. really like him in that situation. <laughs> but truthfully, Alex is a big underdog in this one, as he should be. Yeah. doesn't have much Grand Slam experience. I think Sasha is going to win, but certainly Alex is, is very capable of uh, giving him some trouble. He's got nothing to lose, up to a career-high 73 in the live rankings. Lindsay, we've uh, been talking about all the top players losing on the women's side. This this was a real shocker. Yeah, it was tough to watch if you're a Jessica Pagula fan because something was not right. We know she was sick last week, but she was just off. Normally, she prides herself on just being so consistent, so stingy with the unforced errors and such a tough out. And she just didn't have it at all. And she has been so consistent in the majors and just didn't have a lot of energy. She was very flat. It was shortly after she lost this match, she pulled out of the doubles where she was the top seed with Coco Golf. That is very unlike her. She is all about trying to win a major on the double side as well. So I, I hope she gets better. I hope she goes home. This Grand Slam success was a huge goal of hers and her team coming into the 2024 season. And to start it off not being 100% has to be incredibly disappointing for her. But she's still got three more left, and uh, hopefully she gets better soon. Nine winners, 31 unforced errors for Pagula. Ends three straight years of making the quarterfinals here. Huge upset for Clara Burl. First ever top ten win. Would Emma Navarro keep her incredible run going? Martina looking for double-digit wins on the year already. Taking on Elisabetta Cochiretto. Yeah, Cochiretto got off to a good start, got the break, and uh, won the first set. Was pretty excited, but Emma Navarro, she doesn't let anything bother her. She just hangs in there. She knows what her strengths are, what her weaknesses are. Those down the lines were paying off nicely for her. She found the backhand, wins the second set pretty handily, and in the third set, she gets up early, early break here at 2-0. She goes up. Again, spreading the court nicely, just doesn't go for too much. Her shot selection is so good, you know. She knows what her what her limits are, and she just pushes it enough. Spreading the court, and here she breaks to win the third set on a service break. And now she's got Diana Yastremska in the third round. So, yeah, she lived up to her ranking and maybe more. We'll see. Into a major third round for the first time in her career. Great stuff from Emma Navarro. Now we've got a rejuvenated Sloane Stevens. Hasn't fared too well in Australia lately, but a great record, John, against Daria Kazakina. Yep. Three and one going in. Kazakina was the seed, Stevens not, but most of us, including LD, thought this was very winnable for Sloane. And after losing the first set, she looked a lot like Sloane Stevens at her best. Offense, defense, 
17 of 21 at the net. That's very nice. More than four games worth of volleys. And this was the first time Sloan strung together back-to-back matches since August. But she was terrific for the last hour of this match. Yesterday, we saw the athleticism. We saw the speed, the shots. Look at this telling reaction, no? We don't often see that kind of emotion from Sloan. And she is now into round three. Very nice. First time since 2019. Love to see that. Gets Anna Kalinskaya. Next, and we've got a lot of Americans in action today. How about Taylor Fritz? He's the top-ranked man right now for the USA. Fabian Marajan is a guy that's been dangerous. Took out Sarundalo in the last round. He has beaten Carlos Alcaraz before. What is the strategy for Fritz in this one? I, For him, don't change anything. Mm-hmm. I mean, Taylor got through a tough uh, five-setter in, in his first round, then he breezed it in his second round. So I expect Taylor to be feeling really, really good for this match. I don't think... Uh, Fatigue is going to be an issue for him. But as we said, his opponent is very capable of doing some big things. He beat Alcraz on clay last year. Right. Extremely, yeah. right. extremely impressive. But I think Taylor is going to be okay in this match. I, I expect him to win. Yeah, I mean, I, I think Taylor's looked awfully good. And he had a little bit of a struggle but overcame that. Remember, last year he lost in the second round. You never mind playing a guy outside the top 50 in your next round and the third round after that. Marj, a nice player. Well, he'll be known for more than the guy who beat Alcaraz eventually, but this really ought to be a W for Taylor. Fritz and Mike Russell behind the scenes there in Melbourne. Martina, we're really excited about Amanda Anasimova, Paula Bedosa playing each other. A couple players on the comeback. Who has impressed you most thus far between these two? Uh, yeah, Paula Bedosa, no doubt about it. She lost nine games against two good players, and uh, she she has finally got got her health under control, and she picked up right where she left off a couple of years ago. For you know, she struggled the last couple of years, but now that she's healthy, she looked fantastic, much more aggressive and and positive, and uh, playing playing great numbers, like posting two to one ratio winners to unforced errors which is not easy on these slow courts because the courts are slower than they have been. So I'm very impressed with her so far. A couple of big hitters, Lindsay. What do you think will make the difference? You know, it's interesting. You have one player who's been out eight months, another player that was out six months. So you really, I'm not sure what to expect at all. This is about as even as they get for me. It's great to see both of them back playing, yeah. both of them back healthy and, and enjoying this sport again. Anna Samova's offense, when it is on, it is tough for anyone to beat her. Can she get to that A-plus level so soon in her comeback? That's a big question for her. But Dosa, as Martina said, has looked fabulous. I'm not sure any of us expected her to be at this high of a level with a back injury so soon in her comeback. Um, But Anna Samova has the ability to take anyone out of their game when she's on. She's got to keep those unforced errors down low, though. Pick the right times to attack. Looking forward to it. We were looking at the rankings coming into it. We're like, this doesn't make no. a whole lot. 140 or something? Yeah. yeah. Ignore it. One's been ranked two, the other 21. Yeah. Uh, this is going to be a high-level match as it goes down. Sebi Korda. You like him, Isner? You think he's one of the guys who has a, a chance to win a major? I do. I, I really do. He's so smooth hitting off the ground. He has very easy power. Needs to improve his serve, and he's going to improve, improve his serve. I know he's been working on that as well. So, uh He's very uh, cool and calm on the court as well. So I I really do think Sebi has a shot uh, to do big things in majors going forward. And then we've got Arena Sabalenka with the with the shades on. What's what's going on here? I don't know what that is. 3D glasses. She just saw Spider-Man in 3D and didn't take her. Whoa! (laughs) Maybe that's just a joke. What is that drill? Have you done that? No? No. Okay. Maybe I should have. She's two in the world, so. Back after this with all the top storylines, match previews, and Jim Courier joining the program. We got all the Hall of Famers on TC Live.
TC Live, a reminder, the world's top men and women return to Tennis Paradise in Indian Wells, California for one of the sport's marquee events. Don't miss complete first ball to last ball live coverage of the BNP Paribas Open. It's on Tennis Channel with daily bonus coverage on T2. The action gets underway Wednesday, March 6th. We've been talking about upsets all day long, all week long here on TC Live. Take a look at this section of the draw with the three-seed Elena Rabakina out, the five-seed Jesse Pagula out. Six of the eight players remaining are now unseeded to potentially make the quarterfinals, and the two seeds left, Jasmine Paolini, first time ever in the third round of a major. Zheng Chin Wen, first time ever, third round of the Australian Open. Steve Lindsay back with you. It's wild out there in Melbourne. Of these six remaining unseeded players, who do you think is most dangerous? Steve, i got to give you some credit because when the draw came out, I was saying, oh, Rabakina Pagula quarter. You're like, nah, I don't know. I think Sloan's got a great chance. And look at her now. She was so impressive in her way to this third round, but particularly against Kazakina in these last two sets. What impressed me the most was this here at the end. How often have we seen this reaction from Sloan the last few years? Not often enough, but it is back in Melbourne. She is fired up. She's won a major on hard courts already. We just never know when the good tennis comes out of Sloan, and it's great to see it in Melbourne. And now you look at her draw and you think, Gosh, she's got a, a she's a favorite to get to the quarters and yeah. a very good chance to get to the semis here. Yeah, it's like why not? She's been to the semis before. That was way back in yeah. 2013. But a rejuvenated Sloan. She was asked about it. Said you know in the past maybe you've looked a little flat, unhappy. What what has led to this difference? And she said, well, listen, uh, the media normally talks junk about me, and this is the opposite of that. How has she gotten back to this, this fired-up Sloan Stevens that we're seeing out there? Yeah, it, it's great to see that come from her. I mean, once you get on the tour for so many years, she's also married now. A lot changes. You never know what a player's going through as well off the court. The last few off-seasons, she has come into the Australian Open not quite ready to go. She hadn't won a match in four years until she got here in Melbourne, and all that changed when she was able to get that first round under her belt. Again, those last two sets against Kazakina, some of the best tennis we've seen from Sloan in quite some time. Her first time winning back-to-back matches since August. Yeah. And now all of a sudden you get a player who has won a major before, who has been a top player, that all of a sudden they start to feel that mojo again, and you've got to be wary of them. She's the only player in this little section of the draw that has been a Grand Slam singles champion. We'll see how it plays out. But great stuff from American Sloan Stevens as this draw is just wide open. We are getting closer to the start of day six down under all the top stories with Lindsay, Martina, John, and John, plus Jim Courier joins us a little later from Melbourne. Thanks for staying with us right here on CC Live. Martina Lindsay, John John, and Steve back with you on TC Live. A reminder, we come your way 5 Eastern every day to get you ready for first ball. Then a couple chances to see Tennis Channel's awesome encore coverage with Brett Haber and Paul Anacone. You don't want to miss that. Well, we've got to start, Martina, with the match between Iga Sviantek and Danielle Collins. This one had it all. It was crazy. Danielle Collins uh, pushing uh, Iga around the court. But Iga, look at this shot from Iga. She's been working on her volley game, and it shows. It was a great shot from uh, from her, but uh, Danielle still won the first set. And uh, was up, I mean, I'm sorry, uh, we should have won the first set, and Collins is up in the second. Her forehand was great. Her backhand down the line was money all match long. Collins up 4-1 in the third. She gets the break here to go up two breaks. We think the match is over, but no. At 4-2, um, she loses a serve, and at 4-2, she had left 40. 
again on, on Triontech's serve, but Triontech comes back, it's some winners to get out of trouble. It's a good serve here at uh, at 40-30 to get it even. Somehow survives that game and ends up winning. You know, breaks, breaks right back here for all even. And then she holds and uh, ends up winning five games in a row. Again, um, Danielle dictated quite a bit, but Triontek covering the court so well. And uh, yeah, just uh, too much topspin, too much, too many legs. And Danielle would be disappointed with this one as she had. What she did had it take today for you to turn this match around? Oh my God. I don't even know. <laughs> Honestly, like, yeah, I was on the airport already. <laughs> no, but I wanted to fight till the end. <laughs> I knew that, you know, she played just perfectly, but it would be hard for anybody to keep that level. So I wanted to be ready when uh, more mistakes are going to come from the other side. And I just wanted to push Dan. And I did that at the end. And I'm really proud of myself because, yeah, it wasn't easy. <laughs> Lots of breakdown in this one, LD. Uh, let's start with Iga Sviantek tweeted after, it's not over till it's over. How was she able to escape? I think that's going to be a big win for her, just in the overall belief system for her. She hadn't had a big comeback at a major, and she was down and out. A couple questions physically, though. It did look like the knee was bothering her. The, the movement wasn't perfect. But her reaction after really spoke volume. She sat in her chair, put the towel over her head, and was sobbing on court. She knows this was a big win. I think her team knows also. There's been matches in the past where she's been overpowered, the racket's been taken out of her hand, and she hasn't found a way to fight through it. This was different. She really hung in there emotionally. She turned a player who was playing the best tennis that we've seen in quite some time from Danielle and was able to flip the script. And I think this is going to give her an awful lot of confidence moving forward if she's physically healthy. I noticed that, too. She wins that match. She puts a towel. I mean, usually we see that if it's a semifinal or a final. I just need to take stock of what just happened. To do that after a second-round match, that tells you something about the fight and the places where she had to go. I think we ought to acknowledge Danielle Collins. We were talking about how she beat Iga here a few years ago, got to the finals, and announced after the match. Again, a really well-played, well-fought match. She'll probably have some regrets about the last half hour, but she was right there with... The number one player, then Danielle Collins sort of dropped this note. Oh, yeah, by the way, this is my last year on tour. This is not someone deep into their 30s, a real veteran. Uh, but Danielle Collins is a player we've all grown to admire. You you know her, John. Was that surprising to you? It was a little bit surprising. I mean, I have a lot of respect for her game. She came through the college ranks just like I did. And I think she's 30. And she dropped that news. And look, she's almost beat the number one player in the world. She's obviously playing fantastic tennis, but we know that she can play like that. She, you know, puts the fear of God into every every player she goes up against. And, you know, so to make that announcement, she must be at peace with it. And, you know, I personally, I think should be very proud of her to, 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 make, that, to make that announcement. So we'll see what comes of it. She's going to finish out this year, but I believe she said that, you know, she, there's other things she wants to, um, you know, do in her life, and one of, one of which is start a family, and yep. I think you should uh, commend her for that. It's, it's very awesome. Yeah, it's incredible. She got to seven in the world, obviously a final at the Australian Open, two titles. Martina, what was your reaction when you heard Daniel Collins say this I is going to be it? Yeah, I'm surprised, you know, uh, but if she feels it, it's okay. Uh, 
each to each his own. Uh, I think she'll be disappointed at, at w losing the match the way she lost it. Not that she lost, but the way she lost it uh, when she knows this is her last time there. She at four one in the third set, she was hitting her four hundred about seventy five miles an hour. After that, it was fifty five miles an hour. So she took the foot off the pedal, played careful, and she'll be disappointed with that more than anything. But you know, she might change her mind. <laughs> we'll see. Yeah, she could always change her mind. By the way, she's she is thirty, so she could come yeah. back. She get kids. And and come back. We've seen that. Look, Caroline Wozniacki has done it. She she could do that for sure. We'll see what happens. But that she was painstakingly close to win that match. I mean, she's up 4-2, love 40. Those are essentially mini match points. You got to think if she wins one of those three points, she can close the match out from 5-2 up. Once she lost that 4-2 game, you kind of had a feeling this could get a little bit queasy for her, and that's yeah. exactly what happened. We love that passion that we see yeah. from the Danimal on the court. So I hope to see her a lot more throughout this year before she eventually retires and hangs him up. Uh, more action from yesterday. Elena Rabakina, she's defeated the last 12 players ranked outside the top 50. Lindsay going for a Baker's Dozen against Anna Blinkova. Yeah, we started the match tiebreak, excuse me, at 6-all in the third. Blinkova had already had two match points at 6-5 in the third. And, I, I mean, we saw some amazing tennis yesterday. I'm not sure anything will ever top this tiebreak. As John said, 35 minutes. 16 match Crazy. points in total were in this. You kept thinking, okay, it's going to end here. It's going to end here. It did not. These two ladies were sensational at the big moments. And we're talking about some great saves, some great shot making at the most crucial of times. And it was Anna Blinkova's night and how she was able to fight through, uh, by the way, saving six match points, but also the level of tennis she showed in some of the biggest moments. Rabakina, you never get a lot from her emotionally. You have to feel like this one's going to sting. She was a favorite to win this title. This was played late at night, heavier conditions. That really hurt her. Blinkova again. Look at the score. Match point Rabakina able to come up with one of the best defensive points we've seen so far in this tournament. You didn't know when this was going to end. The great tennis just continued, Steve. But eventually, it was Blinkova who was able to get through this match. Yeah, you can see past 30 minutes in this match tiebreak between the two of them. That ball goes wide, and Anna Blinkova, can you believe it? Said, I will never forget it. Best day of my life so far. Wrote on the camera after, never give up. Hadn't won a match this year before Melbourne, and here she takes out last year's finalist and a Wimbledon champion. Rebakina is out. Biggest upset of the tournament. All right. Time for Isner's first highlight. <laughs> you never forget your first, John. We, we got a good one for you. <laughs> Carlos Alcaraz, Lorenzo Sonico. Yeah, uh, honestly, this is a pretty tough test, I thought, for Carlos. I mean, because Sonego, he, he's a bit of a swashbuckler out there. He can play some incredible tennis, and he plays with a lot of passion. So, you know, I'm not su necessarily surprised at this scoreline, the fact that it went to, you know, went to four sets. I think this is ultimately a good thing for Carlos. Uh, going forward in the tournament, you, you like to think he's going to get, um, you know, stronger as, as this tournament progresses. But look, this dude from Spain hits shots right here. My goodness. That <laughs> I can only dream of hitting. I mean, he is the human highlight reel. He is worth every bit the price of admission. And, you know, he, we see here in the fourth set tiebreaker, this is a big point, on return. He hits his, laces his back in to give him the mini break. And, you know, he takes it home from there. So... Uh, I think a very good match from him. I don't maybe he might say wasn't his best match, but look, you don't want to necessarily play your best in the second round. Um, it's great for him. It's great for the tournament that he's still alive. And, you know, he's got a uh, plays an unseeded player next. Uh, potentially could play Tommy Paul. We know 
Uh, they've had some great battles in the past, but they both have to win. We'll see what happens. All right, Daniil Medvedev had won both of his previous matches against Emil Rusevori Wertheim. The Finn said of Medvedev before the match, he just tries to make you miserable in your service games. Yeah, miserable. This is the late-night special. Keep an eye on the clock. And Rusevori is a very nice player. We've seen Rune. We've seen Rude. We've seen another RU from Scandinavia here with the Finnish player Rusevori. And for two sets, it looked like we were going to have a significant upset against the two-time finalists. And then Medvedev turned it around. Late here in the fourth set, that's a nice little drop shot here. Watch what he does with this. But late in the fourth set, Rusevori was two points from winning this match. I mean, Medvedev had to serve to stay in the match. He's a new dad, so he uh, understands staying up late. Not particularly pleased there, but he hung in there to his credit. 51 winners. He just sort of prolonged points, made this a match, and by the time this went to a fifth set, it was good night. Irene, which is like the one fan left in uh, the stands. Irene. Um, 3.40, 3.39, whatever we're calling it, ball game. Medvedev. Caught up with Nick Monroe after this thriller. Uh, what is it, like 3.40 in the morning? It's late. I, I, honestly, guys, I would not be here. <laughs> Thanks for staying. If I would, uh, would, would be a tennis fan and I would come, I would be at one, I would be like, okay, let's go home. We're going to catch the end of the match on the TV. Gonna watch 30 minutes and go to bed. So I guess uh, thanks, guys. So you are strong, strong. I mean, this match, the, the beauty of best of five tennis, able to come back once again from love two down. It may be four in the morning, Martina, but but Medvedev found a way. How do you do it? Well, he just hung in there, you know. You can't think, oh, I got to win three sets in a row. You just got to think, okay, what do I need to do to win this set and then hopefully get it done and then think the same thing on the fourth set. So you just need to stay within yourself. And he does that very well. He, he may get a little rattled sometimes, but he always brings it back to the match at hand, uh, you know, the next point. You don't ever feel like he loses points because he's upset about something. So he just hangs in there. And uh, at the end of the day, I mean, you, you saw Rusevori was out of legs at the end of the fourth said but still yeah well done daniel and uh yeah this this finishing that late that's really rough it's like built-in jet lag normally you go to sleep <laughs> about midnight if he got to sleep by eight he'll be lucky and probably wake up at noon yeah maybe he'll get four hours of sleep it's rough they've got to do something this is just not good for tennis it's not good for anybody yeah, I was, I mean, I was able to watch it, the finish here in California, but I was going to ask John. <laughs> exactly. Does he have any chance to recover? Oh, he absolutely does. Like, he How? Is, this guy is the one person, in my opinion, that this, I don't think this is going to affect him. Any other player, it probably really? would. Yeah, I mean, look, I've. I played Toronto a couple years ago, and I, I lost in the semifinals. And the tournament is nice enough to charter a plane for the players that kind of make it deep to that tournament to get on to Cincinnati because you don't have to deal with customs. It's a lot easier. And I had to wait for his final against Opelka uh, to finish. So we get to the, the match finishes, and I'm thinking, okay, we're going to take off in two or three hours. Nope, he was ready to go in 45 minutes <laughs> on the plane. And we flew to Cincinnati. He was in his Lacoste gear in his bag, drinking a Coke, and he was ready to go, ready to play Cincinnati. I'm sure he played well in Cincinnati that year. So, really, I really do believe that he can recover just fine from this, and he's one of the very few that can. Wow. A Coke. Great recovery like there. That. Love exactly. it. <laughs> you said that. He doesn't roll deep. He doesn't have a huge training staff. It will yeah. be interesting to see 
how much juice his agent has. If he has to play a noon start uh, in two days, well, uh, what answer? I expect he'll play a night match his next time out. Late afternoon. If I'm him, I'm requesting a late afternoon match. Mm, so if you do win, you yeah. can get um, at least to get bed back. at a decent yeah. hour. Mm. All right. Also, he gets Felix Ojeda-Aliassime next. He's never lost to him, 6-0. Yep. and oh. So okay. has confidence going into that match. But 3.40 in the morning, that's... Uh, that's early stuff. Great insight, by the way, isn't there, uh, Medvedev? This is the one guy it will not affect. Still to come, mum's the word. We begin the tournament with eight mamas in the draw. Who remains? We will check in on our mum track when TC Lab rolls on. TC Live at the Australian Open. Another beautiful day in Melbourne, starting third round action. We will lead you right up to first ball here on the show. All right, Martina, with Gal Monfils out, Alina Svitolina playing for all of Gem's life. She's won her last 12 matches against players outside the top 60, looking good. Yeah, tough in those shadows, but Svitolina said she's been working on going for the forehand, and she hit that down the line so well in this match. Keeps going for it. She was at the net 13 times, won 10 points there, which is not normal for her. Six out of seven break points. But most of all, just moving Tomova uh, around the court really well, using the slice and that, like I said, that forehand down the line. She keeps going for it. She used to back away when things got tight, but she's believing in a dead shot and it's playing off nicely. Straightforward 6 1 6 3 win here. Finishes with a forehand. What a surprise. Well done. <laughs> Last year's Comeback Player of the Year, 25 winners. First time ever, four Ukrainian women have reached the third round of a slam. All right, staying with the moms, Lindsay. Two-time Aussie Open champ Victoria Azarenka facing Clara Towson. Vika has never lost in the second round here. No, and Steve made it all the way to the semifinals last year. Sometimes we forget that with Azarenka. She is still a threat on the hard courts and started off beautifully against Towson. Lost her focus a bit in the second set, and Tossin able to dictate play a bit more. Serve has been an issue for Azarenka with some double faults. Came up in that second set, and Tossin got a sense that maybe this would be a breakthrough win for her. But credit Vika for early in the third set, just finding her game again. She really buckled down, started to get more consistent, and also really start to master the baseline. Withstood 11 aces and nearly 40 winners from the other side. And yet Azarenka is able to move on yet again into the third round. This is her best major ever. Of course, she's won it a couple of times. Martina, we're updating the mum tracker. What do you see? Well, then there were two, but we still <laughs> have two uh, left in the draw. So here's to the moms. You know, they did pretty well overall. <laughs> Svitolina Azarenka still pushing on, and both have really good opportunities moving forward. On the men's side, Alexander Zverev came in with a 16-match win streak against qualifiers worth time, but uh, Lucas Klein, world number 163, gave him everything he had. Yeah, let's talk about the guy who won more games and just as many points, uh, Lucas Klein. This guy is unbelievable. Listen to this, John. 80 winners. This is a guy who had to qualify. He was playing his 12th set when the match started. Um, went up two sets to love and then credit Zvera for some real fight here. Good effort there. Didn't quite make that shot. 25-year-old uh, Slovak had a terrific match against the sixth seed. Just a couple points here and there. Some nice touch. Again, he was two points from winning this match. Would have been far and away the biggest win of his career. Again, credit Zvera, the compartmentalizer. He is able to summon 
his best stuff when he needed. This went to a match tiebreak after a four-set tiebreak as well, and Zverev credit him for hanging in there. John, you said he likes the night matches. Does Zverev, the backhand was rocking and lucky to get through this one, but he does. Long time on court and wins 7-6 in the fifth. 400th career match that he has won at the tour level. That's a milestone. Well, we got a flashback to a couple days ago. Jack Draper beats Marcos Giron, Isner, but, but take a look at this. It was in five sets, and then, and then he just rushes to the net, says, come on, buddy, I, I, gotta, it's, I got things <laughs> to do up, here. <laughs> There's a trash can right here that I need to attend to. So. Slow walk me. Bucket cam. I have, seen <laughs> I have not, and Marcos is probably thinking, what the heck is going on? But that was a pretty good effort to win that point. Foreshadowing, though. The, the old victory vomit, right? Yeah. Uh, so, Tommy Paul, we know he saw that. And you also know he wanted some revenge because he lost to Draper a week ago in Adelaide. Yeah, he did. Uh, that was, you know, Draper won that match pretty comprehensively, yep. if, if I if I remember. But, look, that's why that's why you play the game. Like, it's why uh, every single match you play, it's going to be different. You know you know, Tommy is going to bring his best stuff, especially at the Grand Slam. He's trying to peak for this event. Maybe he wasn't necessarily trying to peak for Adelaide, but uh, you know, Draper played well that event, we know. He made the final, but Tommy's a, a tough out. We know how, you know, he's in incredible shape. He made the semifinals here last year, so he likes these courts, he likes these conditions, and I'm sure he wanted to uh, exact some revenge on Draper, and that's exactly what he did. And, uh, he's in a he's in a good spot right now, uh, as I said earlier, to potentially face Alcaraz in the round of 16. Yeah. Revenge best served with Vegemite and Tim Tams, apparently, <laughs> down under. Uh, of all the young Americans that we have right now, where does Tommy rank to you in terms of being able to win that Grand Slam? You have to put him at, at the very top. Mm. I mean, there's there's a bunch. In the past years, you maybe just talk about one or two players. But I think my, you know, Tommy, Taylor, I really like Sebi Corder's game. Mm. Uh, ben Shelton, of course, we know what he can bring to the table. I think those four guys... Uh, have a good shot to win a slam in the next four or five years. They have a good shot to, to do some damage here in Australia, for sure. Yeah, John brought up the fact that, listen, he's had success, a couple of wins against Carlos Alcaraz. Yeah, and I, I just think, go, going back to Tommy, what did we used to say about him? A lot of talent. Can he put it all together? Maybe there's some questions about his professionalism. What did we say here the other day? Well, against Draper, he could make it physical. He's so professional. He's so well-conditioned. That's what happened in a best-of-five format. Again, a couple years ago, we would have said, this guy, is he ever going to put it together? Now we say, well, he can use his togetherness to, uh, to, to avenge a defeat a week ago. Yeah, I think also we talk about he's came in with a lot of pressure. Not sure. We, we don't know which guys are looking at ranking points and looking at what points they have to defend, but an awful lot on Tommy's shoulders coming into this event. He didn't play great in Adelaide either, so didn't come in with a tremendous amount of confidence. But see how he's maneuvered these first few rounds has been impressive. He knew exactly what he needed to do against Draper, right? Spread the court, keep the points long, be consistent, and Draper couldn't hang with him. So we'll see as Tommy Paul moves forward in this draw. He's going to have to have most likely a huge win if he's going to mm. get back yeah. to the semifinals. Um, but he just seems super calm. Just went about sure. a match yesterday. Didn't Nothing he's, phased him. Lindsay, he's not worried about ranking points. No. I can tell you that much. <laughs> yeah. Yeah? If he crashes out early, life is still good for Tommy Paul. He's going to go back home to Florida. He's going to go fishing, and he's going to get ready to play the tournament in Dallas. So uh, he's truly – not not worried about it. Um, he's cool cucumber out there, and um, you know he's playing like it, and that's why he's been doing so well lately. He doesn't yeah. he lets things roll off his back uh, pretty well, in my opinion, and he's in incredible shape. That's one thing he has uh, in, yeah. in his corner. He works very hard at it, and he's in better shape than most of the players he plays against. Love to hear that. Miramir Ketsmanovic is up next for Tommy Paul, and then potentially that matchup with Carlos Alcaraz looming as well. But 
He's a cool cucumber. That's, that's what it is. If you're a cool it. cucumber, you got day one. He got fishing yeah. in the Dallas Open. In there you go. go. Okay. Exactly. He's entered in the tournament. Ask Pro Shops, Dallas Open. We're checking off all the sponsors. More TC Live on the way. Jim Curry, you're going to join the program as well. Keep it locked and loaded. Welcome back to TC Live at the Australian Open as we lead you up to first ball, third round, about to get underway at the top of the hour. We're going five wide, and we bring in our friend, the Hall of Famer, two-time <laughs> champ, Jim Courier to the program. Jim, how's it going out there? Jeez. It's going great. I'm listening to the big man, John Isner, just roll right into the studio and dominate <laughs> fitting right in. Nice to see everybody. Good morning from Melbourne. Good morning. Were you up till 4 a.m. Yeah, right. calling Where'd that match? Go to sleep? No, he was no, not. I, fortunately, I was I was on the Kokonakis match, so I, I was uh, released by midnight last night, so I missed the uh, early morning affair. But our, our buddy Nick Monroe was there for it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Is that one of the Great thousands guy. of emails we get from the Australia? Yeah, Replacing right. exactly. Jim Courier yeah, yeah, with so-and-so. Nick Monroe, Nick Monroe is not, not I didn't get replaced. <laughs> no, I did not get replaced. All right, Jim, let's get going with the, the big upset on the men's side. Whole Garuna in let's action. Uh, against the, the, the Frenchman, actually, this is Kasparud, Max Purcell. No, yep, it, it certainly is. Kasparud, Jim, was well, taking the I distance. I called this one. Yeah, I called this match. This was incredible. If you like a, a throwback serving volley, net rushing Aussie, we had one. If you like 70s stashes and mullets, we had that too. This was an incredible level of tennis, guys, to be honest. I mean, it was awesome. 101 net approaches from Purcell, and he was befuddling Casper Ruud, who was in fine form this year. Ruud undefeated at the United Cup, playing some excellent tennis, but Purcell didn't let him get comfortable at all. It was just basically survival for Casper Ruud, and survive he did in the match tiebreak. This was going on at the same time that Zverev was in a match tiebreak, so there was just action all over the grounds. What an intense day we had, and Ruud felt the intensity and then the relief. He finally got through. This was physical, but it was as much mental as anything because he just was never able to play the style of game he wanted. But this one, Steve, is I think the one you were uh, you were pointing towards. It, it is indeed. The French just wild keep card. Rolling? Arthur Cazzo ranked outside keep, the top 100. I'll keep rolling. That so Cazzo is the wild card. He won a challenger in the opening week of the year. Even more impressive for me. This guy won the uh, the NFL Combine of Next Gen. This guy is one of the great young athletes. He's a phenomenal mover, powerful, and also fit because he beat the uh, Laszlo Jetta in five sets in his first round. Came back strong against Holger Runa. Had the two-set lead. Runa pushed back, but Kazo he was dominant on serve. Only dropped serve once today. So along with Feast. Along with Luca Vanash, you've got three young French players now pushing on. This result here is going to push him closer to the top 100. So he's 101 in the live ranking, in fact. So uh, exciting times in French tennis. Tough times for Holger Runa and his new coaching staff. He's got to go regroup and kind of hit the reset button. 
I love the attitude of this kid. I mean, he's all tatted up. Let's say he's, he's got a, a tattoo of a snake on him because he's a big fan of Kobe Bryant. Resilience, that word, because of all the injuries that he's been through in his life. How big of a surprise was this to you, John? Yeah, it's a pretty big surprise. I don't know much about him, but just watching his highlights and watching a little bit of that match earlier today, he was knocking the cover off the ball. He doesn't, doesn't hold back from the back of the court, uh, playing fearless for sure. And as Jim mentioned, he won a challenger. So he's on some sort of win streak, we know. At least seven matches, uh, you know, or I guess I should say six matches going into the into the Runa match. So played very well um, and was the better match. Uh, the, excuse me, the better player throughout the course of the match. What's your takeaway, Lindsay, for Holger? Well, it was interesting. Was it yesterday or two days ago? John thought we weren't paying enough attention to the eight seed Holger Runa, and both Steve and I said, oh, "I don't, I don't know about that." But uh, got to give you a little bit of Hater. a hard time. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's interesting because he, he pushes so hard. He almost wants it too badly. And you can see it in how he goes about it. We saw a glimpse of it in the Netflix series as well. But there's still some parts of his game that aren't perfect yet. And when you're trying to win three out of five sets and you have to do it seven times, I mean, that is his goal. He wants to be a, a Grand Slam champion. He's just not quite ready yet. doesn't mean he's not going to be ready, but he needs a little bit more improvement. Yeah, we talk about this all the time, right? These careers are not necessarily linear, but it does seem like a backslide. I had a, a mole at the French Federation say keep an eye on this match because apparently Kazo actually owned Holgerud in the juniors. Mm. It was something like 3-1 and one playing him in European events. How much carryover there is to the pros, sometimes you don't know. But they said this Kazo is a great shot maker, and he doesn't want to be where he is. He feels like he's a better player than he is. He doesn't like the guys he was beating in the juniors are now in the top ten. He doesn't like that they're two French teenagers that are getting the oxygen. So uh, that was a real performance last night. I think we ought to give some credit to the victor, but also, yeah, this was not the way Holger Runa wanted to start his campaign. Uh, I'm a fan. I, I like yeah, this kid, fun, Arthur right? Kizzo. Like, I, I want to see him keep yeah. on going. We'll, we'll see, because the draw opens up a little bit for him now. And as Jim mentioned, he, he was the most athletic guy at the next-gen finals. Beat everybody, and he was the alternate. Wasn't even planned, but he's like, yeah, Arthur Fies, I got you. And literally, the high jump, the shuffle drill, every single thing. Our Bet365 match preview, we're breaking down Sebi Korda and Andre Rublev. Which former quarterfinalist will advance? We'll discuss it next. Back on TC Live, do not miss a new series on T2. Good Trouble with Nick Kyrgios features the Aussie star in revealing conversations with top figures in sports, entertainment, and tennis. The premiere episode is Nick sitting down with Chef Gordon Ramsay. You don't want to miss that. Next Wednesday, January 24th, 7 p.m. Eastern, streaming on T2. Some guys getting ready to go. There is Yannick Sinner taking on Sebastian Baez, a rare seed versus seed matchup. Isner, you think Sinner's ready to win a major? I do. I mean, I look, he beat Novak twice last year in the span of one month. I believe he's in the same section or same half as Novak. He's definitely capable. If his draw opens up, he can certainly do it. But he's going to have to beat a lot of a lot of really good players along the way. Sitsipas has been pretty impressive, Lens, through yeah. a couple rounds. It, we were had concerns about him early on, didn't know the level he was going to show. He came in with a back injury, and he is impressed in the last two matches. That win over Jordan Thompson in four tough sets looked awfully good in that. Let's see how he plays today. We shall see. Time now for our Bet365 match preview. We got Sebi Korda, Andre Rublev. Rublev is favored in this one, has won both of their previous meetings in straight sets. Jim, what do you make of this? Yeah, Rublev comes in with a lot of confidence, right? Won the title in Hong Kong. Uh, he's in a good mood and good shape. 
And Corda, you know, he's starting to build form. He started a little slowly out of the gates this year. Remember, he played so well here last year, beating Medvedev and Hercosh before he suffered the wrist injury, which really stopped his season dead in its tracks. Sadly for him, been tough for him to rebuild since then. We know how talented Sebi Corda is. We also know that he can be pretty calm and sometimes passive on the court. What's going to uh, is going to be necessary for him today is to be very aggressive. He needs a good day on his serve. And he needs to be aggressive with his forehand. That's the side that I feel like there's room for growth for Sebastian Corda. You know Rublev is going to be looking for his forehand. You know he's going to be looking to play that woodpecker tennis where he's just pecking away with speed all, all the time. Corda needs to counter that because you want to see Rublev have to play defense. If you can't get him playing defense, you're going to be shaking hands and getting on a 15-hour flight back to L.A. tomorrow. Woodpecker tennis. Never heard that that. I, I like That's that. That's it. <laughs> Leave it to Jim to come up with it. That was fantastic. Uh, this is going to be a good match. I will say this. Rublev is not going to hit more than 15 aces. I saw the odds on that. Yeah. That's not happening. Okay. okay. could agree on that. That's what, what our viewers want to hear. Yeah, yeah. making the money. I mean, <laughs> I don't know. So, but look, I I think Sebi does have the have the game that can you know potentially you know hit through Rublev, especially especially on the backhand side. I, I think this is going to be a close match. I actually have Sebi as a very very live underdog in, in here. He loves these courts. Jim mentioned he made the quarterfinals last year, and then the wrist injury really derailed his his whole year. So he's back. I, I I'm going to take Sebi. Um, it's okay. going to be a fantastic match. I mean. Uh, Andre, much like a, a lot of these other top top seeds, with uh, Rude and Zverev, won a seven six in the fifth. Yep. So mm-hmm. he kind of got over that first butterfly match. He's definitely feeling good, but Sebi's a, a cool customer. He's he's gonna he's gonna play well, I believe, and, and I think he can win. John I is taking Sebi. John W, what do you say? That head to head two zero, but both of those were hard courts, and Corda couldn't muster a set. They both had these lucky to still be in the tournament kind of matches. I think if Corder brings that serve, I think he's got a real chance. Remember, this is a round where he beat Medvedev last year. Why not take out another top five Russian this absolutely, year? Absolutely. Look, there's going to be a, a lot of breaks to serve in this match. Both these guys <laughs> return extremely well, hit extremely well from the back of the court. Their serves aren't massive. As I mentioned, Rublev's not getting 16 aces, but uh, not going to be many free points, uh, I, I don't believe. Sebi will get more free points on his serve, and that's the one shot that he does need to improve along with his forehand. So, uh, close I mean, match, a why, really, why are, really titanic tussle I, in the third. I got to interject here. Why, why is John talking about aces? What does he know about that? <laughs> it's one thing I, I, I can yeah. talk about. No. I'm, uh, Stay in your lane, <laughs> isn't there? <laughs> <laughs> 14,470 reasons, Jim. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I like Rublev. I think that for quarter to win, he's got to be absolutely perfect with the serve and forehand. I just don't think he's quite there. Had to take a little bit of time off at the end of last year again to try and get the wrist better. Spent a lot of time, got stronger. I, I think he's on his way. I just think it's a little soon for him this year. All right. One thing I learned, put put the house on no, no more than uh, yeah. 15 yeah, aces for, for Andre Rublev. <laughs> 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 Bet 365. He will hit more than 15 aces. 16. What was it? Speaking what was of aces. 15. Yeah, right. 15. Shelton will get more. He's got a, he's got a, what I'm, he's got a lot. Shelton will hit more than 15 yeah. aces. Oh, yeah. Ben Shelton. Yeah, for sure. Back, back to break down some matches after this.